My name is Kirsten Chong. Please stand as we read the scripture, which is Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. Interesting words from Jesus said those words. And do uh, you get it? Pretty, pretty clear, huh? Um, actually, it's hilarious. If anybody has a problem with, okay, I wonder if Jesus had a personality and like sense of humor. Read this again. I mean, it's, it's funny, uh, the, the picture that he paints, but he has really some good truth in it. Um, a couple things before we jump into that. I want to uh, let you know two, two things. Number one is, well, I actually don't let, need to let you know it because the sneak peek tour just started, so you're late. Um, uh, but look, be looking for the next one. And then um, this is the time of year that uh, late, late summer, early fall, we always do uh, come to you and say, hey, we, we're always looking for new people who are followers of Jesus that you've seen be transformed by God and they're, they're reflecting good character, good integrity, and they're leading. And they should be on our radar regarding um, our future elder team. And so our elders uh, team, you know, they protect the health of the church. The uh, lay elders uh, are guide me and, and are my boss. And, um, and so every year our, our elders go three years on, one year off. And so there's a rotation that's always happening. And so we're always asking you, hey, you know, who should we be paying attention to? And, and you're very helpful in letting us know um, you know, here's an up and coming leader. And so what we do is we just don't say, okay, you know, a leader according to who we, we look at the Bible and say, okay, what does it say about what are the qualifications of the elders and, and, um, to be leaders and overseers of the church. And there's a lot of information. First Timothy chapter three, first Peter five, Titus one, all give qualifications, characteristics of servant leaders who um, are showing the character of Jesus, who have the gifts to protect our faith family and to guide our faith family. And so um, look at those qualifications, and then you can either, um, well, the best way to do it is probably just take the information card the, um, in the seat back in front of you and put your name down, put down the name of a person you think should be on our radar, and why. And the, the more you can connect it back to the qualifications of, of, of elders, the, the, the better for us. And so um, thanks for doing that. And um, we'll take those cards and, and uh, go through them and, and process and look at our needs for the coming year and make some decisions. But um, every year, your input's very helpful. So thanks for that. All right, we're in our second week of a series on the church that we're calling My Monkeys, My Circus. 
And uh, we thought, okay, let's just have a little fun here because at first look, when you just gather together a bunch of people who decide to follow Jesus, man, it is just a hodgepodge. I mean, it, it's all kinds of people from all kinds of backgrounds with all, you know, just a variety of life experiences. And the, the thought about bringing these people together is, you know, it's like, uh, what's the thing? Rounding up cats or herding cats. There you go. Herding cats or herding monkeys. Same, you know, same idea. And, and sometimes the church can look like a bunch of individuals who are um, just randomly going through life and there's no unity and there's no purpose and um, it could look a mess. But the truth is, and as we're learning in this series, is that God says, I want to take you individual followers of Jesus and I want to make you into something really special. And I want that place to be just the greatest place to be on earth. And so um, that's our thinking in, in titling this series. And we're uh, starting to go through it last week. We looked at, you know, God wants to take us all as individual followers of his and instantly place us into a family where we're not visitors, but we are permanently um, entrenched as members of each other. And we're a community. And so he says we are, um, we're like uh, fellow citizens. And so that's the idea that we all have the same king. We all have the same God. We are all placing ourselves under our leader's authority, okay? So that unites us. And then it says, you're family members. You're all united in the family of God, he says. And so we're a faith family. And um, our, our dad is God. And so that means as a family, we just, you know, we don't just kind of know each other, but actually we know each other and we're known. I'm known and you're known. We don't have to know everybody, but we need to know somebody because a family uh, can't, can't just put up a facade. You know, I'm not going to fool my family and make them think I'm somebody I'm not. They know who I am. They, they've spent a lot of time with me. And so there's no fakeness. And so we are a family. We're together. We're in community. And then the last picture he gave us was you are actually like living stones. You're like stones that are each individually placed together with other stones and you make a temple in which God indwells. And so the idea is that corporately we are, we are permanently affixed to one another and in us corporately God um, especially indwells us and fills us and, and, and moves together. Now th these are thoughts that are a little bit um, hard for us Westerners to embrace. But the Bible, remember, is an Eastern book. It is um, written to people who realize their community is bigger than they are, that their work in life and, and being a good person means that you're contributing to the wellness and the good of the community. Now, us, we are Westerners. We are really um, committed to ourselves as individuals and our rights. And so it's some of these principles that were easy to, to grip for them are harder for us. And the idea of being a family, a faith family together, um, permanently bond, we're not visiting, we are, we are committed together and God will use us in each other's lives to grow us up in a way that he will not be able to do without us being 
um, together and knowing each other and, and doing life together. Okay, and so that's a big thing. We talked about that this week or this last week. Now, one of the things that comes from that is, um, well, there's this idea of the big church, the universal church. Anybody, anytime throughout history, no matter where they lived, who placed their trust in Jesus has become a part of this church, has become a part of this faith family that he's talking about in Ephesians 2 that we looked at last week. But what he also has done is saying in this, this whole universal church, I am now organizing you to be local faith families. And if you, if you look at the book of Acts and you look at the rest of the New Testament, all the epistles, they are about these local faith families. So a question people have, and I hear it a lot, is, um, so what's really a church? You know, like, I have a family, and we, uh, we've all decided to follow Jesus, and we hang out, we're committed to each other, and so we're kind of like community, so are we a church? Or I got a few friends, and we hang out together, and, and we help each other in our spiritual journeys, and so that's my, that's my church. Or we have a house church where you know, we're just a small group and there's not a lot of us, but um, we are you know, organic and um, we're the church. And so what is the church? I mean, what, um, is it just a, an institution or an organization, the local church, that you know, people made up? That people said, hey, you know, there's some Christians who said, hey, I, I like to lead. And I like to decide what's right and wrong. And so we need to organize ourselves. And um, so there's just, you know, some Christians who are, you know, used to being in charge and they needed to control something. And so they made the church. Is that, is that what happened? Or is, or is this actually something that God says, um, no, I'm making. And this is how I want you to thrive together. And so I want to look at a couple um, of verses because we tend to kind of rebel against institutional religion and organized religion. And you know, a joke I've said a lot is, well, then you find, found the right place because we're not very organized. Um, but uh, organic church, living in community, I like that. Uh, organized church, danger, danger. You know, it's like warning signs go off in us and it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm into God but I'm not into organized religion. And is the church an organized thing that, that God says, um, this is how I want to work? So here's a couple of thoughts for you. First Peter chapter 5, verse 2. Now this is a letter written by Peter, and he's writing to local churches. Okay, He's writing to churches in the Galatia area of Asia or modern-day Turkey. He's writing to churches in Cappadocia, which is kind of central Turkey. Um, he's writing p churches along the coast. And so that's Asia, Asia Minor, um, back during the New Testament. So he's writing to these individual local faith families. And this is what he tells me. He says, be shep or shepherd the flock of God. And so he's talking to leadership or elders or um, overseers of these faith families. And he says, shepherd them. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. So it's like not, you know, 
as business manuals would have you, what, what an organization look, would look like. But this is God's desire for these local faith families. And um, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. So he's saying the leadership within a faith family should have a heart for their faith family and want to serve their faith family so that the faith family is protected in going towards the direction that God desires it to go. All right. So then Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Now this is talking about um, Paul talking to the elders or overseers of the local faith family in the city of Ephesus. All right. So he says, pay attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And so it's again, it's this isn't a man-made idea. It's a God-ordained idea. And he says, this is how I want my church to look. I want to have servant leaders who are reflecting godly character, who are humble, and will gently guide my family um, in a way that's aligned with my truth and my mission. And so guide them carefully, because that's what this Holy Spirit wants you to do, to care for the church of God, and he obtained, that he obtained with his blood. So, you know, a house church can be a, a... a New Testament church, um, but there just needs to be mature followers of Jesus who are humble with a servant heart, who are there to help the church family follow Jesus well. Because in any church family, in our church family, we have people who are trying to figure out, do I even believe in God? You know, what do I think about Jesus? And so you're on this journey, and, and so I'm glad you're here. But then we have people who just made a decision to follow Jesus. I'm convinced, but I'm not sure, you know, what the rest of things look like, but I'm convinced of this, I'm in. And then we have people who've been following with Jesus for years and have matured in their faith and because God has shaped them and um, shaped their character to love people more, to love him, and to humbly serve others. And so we need those type of leaders to keep us healthy. Because you can imagine if, um, just think of yourself, when you became, first became a follower of Jesus, if you were in charge, what would you have done? You know, it's kind of like looking at our families and thinking, okay, if you have a four-year-old or you know a four-year-old and you say, okay, I would like you to get your best friends um, and get, you know, get six of you together, six of you four-year-olds, and decide, um, you know, what, what our nation should look like and what your life should look like. And I want you to just kind of, you know, Forge a direction that you think would be best for us. What would that look like? Well, you wouldn't ask four-year-olds to do that, right? I mean, it, it's, you know, I'm thinking of some of my grandkids, and I'm just, I, I'm shaking in, with fear inside. Um, because they're great, and I love them. But it would be a mess. It would be a hot mess. And so we don't do that. And so God's saying, hey, my faith family together needs to have people that are reflecting my heart to help keep us healthy. And that's what... He's saying here, as the church is organized, you need to be organized into faith families that have some people who've been walking with God for a while and are aligned to his heart. And that's why I asked you, hey, let us know who, those, who um, some of these people are that you're aware of, and because um, we need to be aware of them. That's, that's the kind of leaders we want. So here's the first point. As Jesus followers, God organizes us into local faith families. Okay, and you look at 
all throughout the New Testament, when it's talking about the church, it's talking about people who are together as a family. This is how we function together. And we have leaders um, that, that protect the, uh, the faith family by addressing false thinking, by guiding into right thinking, because there is all kinds of confusing information out there. And so we need to... Uh, keep guiding each other towards what God says is true. And so we need people who know, who know the Bible enough to be able to do that and to help with that and to correct. And then we also need to help each other uh, correct and encourage each other. If I'm doing things that are not what God says life looks like that he created for me, and this is not how you flourish, but this is actually something that you think is a good thing, but it's not a good thing, because God says it, then we need to encourage each other. You know what, as much as we're convinced otherwise, um, we, we, we need to turn away from that and turn to what God says we're supposed to be. And so that's one thing that we are to do um, together. So we're organized as a faith family, uh, local faith families, and it could be, you know, it could be 20 people, it could be um, 10,000 people. But, um, and within that, there's all kinds of stylistic things and, you know, that we have freedom with, but we're, be, we're to be under the authority that God has established for us as a faith family. So that's, um, that's a church. Hope that helps kind of clear up, okay, what is a church? And what does it mean that when God's calling us into, um, and it's really, this, this is his plan for being his hands and feet in the world you read the New Testament, and, he's in, it's the local church that is going to be the hands and feet of God in the world to influence others, to draw people to himself, to, to bring good. And um, you think, that's what we called it, my monkey's my circus, because sometimes it doesn't seem like a good idea. But that is his plan during um, this time. All right, Ephesians 2.20, last week, we uh, looked at Ephesians 2, and we said, okay, we're fellow citizens, we're family members, we're um, a holy temple together that we're placed together. Uh, and I skipped one verse, and it was 2.20. And so here it is. Um, the church, us, we are built on a foundation of the apostles and prophets, and Christ Jesus himself is the cornerstone. And so what we're looking here is just, you know, how is this family to function? We're a faith family We've placed our faith in Jesus, and now how does he want us to function? And so he says, this family is to be built on a foundation of the apostles and prophets. Well, who were, who were they? They were people that spoke the truth of God to the people of God. All right? That's how we, that's how we have our Bible. Jesus Christ, who's he? He's God in the flesh. And he says in John, John chapter 1, he says, He's actually the word. He's the truth. He's the word of God. He, he is God in the flesh. He is truth. How would God respond to governments in uh, a culture where the values are totally different than what are God's values? How would God respond to that if he was living on earth? Well, just look at Jesus. He said, um, the word became flesh and the word dwelt among us. And that was Jesus. He was truth. Okay, And so the, the truth of God is what we are to be built on. So as followers of Jesus, we're built on Jesus and his truth. And so um, that's what we look to. 
So if I want to know, my heart says this, and so I look within to find truth. And God's telling us, no, actually, I'm the one who has declared what's true. Truth is outside of you. And sometimes your heart's right. It leads you right towards what's right. And other times your heart's deceptive. And so I want to tell you who I am because the truth is if I just look into myself to decide who God is, I'm going to make him into somebody who likes me. I'm going to make him into somebody who's really happy with the way I'm living. And that's who I want God to be. And God says, you know, um, yes, I, I like you and I love you, but I've also made you for a purpose and I've made you in such a way that I know how you are to flourish. And so follow me because I came that you might have life and have it abundantly, have it full. And so follow me and trust my truth about you and trust my truth about who I say I am, God is. And, and don't trust somebody else's idea about what they wish I was. But listen to who I say I am and listen to who I say you are. And so we need to look at God and his truth to determine what's really true, what's, what's reality, what is reality, and, and God will tell us. Okay, so now the question is, we're organizing the faith families. We are united in community. Um, we are built upon what's true, what God says tr is true. And so now, how does that look as far as how we treat each other? I mean, what, what's, what's a good, healthy relationships look like? And there's lots about that um, in the Bible. But we're going to camp on Matthew chapter 7 that um, Kirsten read to us. And that is Sermon on the Mount. It's, the very, it's towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. It's a sermon by Jesus given on the north shores of the Sea of Galilee. And um, he was teaching a lot of people. And he said, the kingdom of God looks like this. So what's he saying there? Anybody who places their trust in me, you are under the authority of the king of God. And this is how life in the kingdom of God is to look. This is how you guys should be treating each other. And so first of all, he says in verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. Judge not that you be not judged. Ever heard that before? Ever have somebody tell you that? Ever use it? Yeah. Um, a few years ago, uh, I had a friend, went to this church, and I uh, found out that he had started a relationship with a woman that was somebody else's wife. And uh, so I called him up, and I got together with him a couple times. And uh, I said, you know, I know everything in you is saying this is okay. Um, but this is not God's best for you. It's actually going to hurt you. It's going to hurt her. It's going to hurt your relationship with God. And it's going to cause pain. Even though right now you're convincing yourself, yeah, God knows that he wants me happy. He wants me happy. This is the best. And... He said to me, oh, Bill, you're so right. Thank you so much. I'll change everything. No, he, did, he, did, he didn't do that. You know what he did? He got mad at me. Who are you to judge me? 
God says, don't judge. And you're judging me. And so, I mean, God is full of love and grace. And you're sitting here um, as my friend and pastor and telling me that I'm wrong. And you're judging me. And so you're disobeying God. And so, um, was he right? You know, you look, so don't, he's, it's clear. Mark 7, 1. Don't judge lest you be judged. So what does judge mean? Well, if you look in the, in the dictionary, there's, there's a couple different definitions. One is um, to evaluate. To evaluate. Um, okay, this is good, this is bad, this is right, this is wrong, this is good for you, this is not good for you. That's evaluating. And that's what my friend was telling me. It's like, I am not supposed to do that. I'm evaluating his life and what he's choosing to do, and I am um, evaluating that it's wrong. And so I'm in violation of what God tells us to do. Now, is that the right definition? I think, no, it's not the right definition. Because as soon as he said, Bill, um, you're judging me, and you're not supposed to do that, you're wrong, what's he doing? He's judging me. And so with that definition, we're stuck. It doesn't work. It just practically does not work. Because if nobody's supposed to cast judgment on me, as soon as they make that statement, they're casting judgment on me. You know, so it's, it just practically doesn't work. So that's not what it's talking about. So what is, this, what is it talking about? Well, in, in the Bible, it says that God will one day come as judge. And in the context of that, we know that he will one day come back and he will, uh, he will be final authority on bringing justice in this world. And he will, he will dole out justice and punishment for people who have not sought forgiveness but have rebelled against him and for all the evil in the world. And basically, he will squash all evil. That, that's the justice of God. And we're to you know, take rest and comfort in that, that there will be a day where justice is done and it will be done by God who is fair, who knows all, is loving, and, and he will do it. And so when it's saying, judge not that you be not judged, he's saying, do not come down as the final authority um, passing out condemnation on people. Because that's something that God's going to do. That's not up to you. That's up to God. And so evaluate. Look at life. Look at, you know, evaluate what's going on around you. That Speak into that. That's fine. But do not do it in a way that is ultimately a con condemning them. And because that is a place that is for God and not you. All right. But then he goes on to talk about, OK, now, what is what is just, you know, what is um, evaluation look like and judgment look like? That's not condemning. And so how are we to function together? Because we're a family. We're together. We're supposed to be known and we're supposed to know others, which means we need to help others because people will see stuff in our life. We don't see ourselves and they need to help me. And I need to do that with other people. So how do we do that in a way that's not judgmental in the sense of condemning, all right? So now he goes on to talk about it in verse 2, um, Matthew 7, verse 2. 
For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? And this is where it starts getting funny. He's like, okay, um, you're looking so close at somebody else's life that you can see a speck in their eye, but you don't notice that you have a ponderosa pine sticking out of your head. Okay, that it, it's, it's a funny picture. Be saying, okay, you shouldn't be so focused on the issues of other people and be totally blind to your own. All right, that, that's not going to be helpful. And if somebody, you know, what happens when you have a speck in your eye? I mean, when you get something in your eye, doesn't it drive you nuts? It's kind of all consuming. Until I get this taken care of, I have a hard time focusing. I can't see well. My eye is watering. I need help. Now, um, so spiritually speaking, he's saying, if you've got an issue in your life that's just not right with God, and you might not even know what it is, but, it's, but you know it's there, you're going to need help. You're going to need somebody to help you. And so am I going to look for somebody who has so many issues in their life that are obvious to everybody but, the, but them? Am I going to say, hey, will you help me figure this out? Probably not, because they're not showing discernment, right? And so if I have a little speck in my eye and somebody has a, you know, ponderosa pine and they take a step towards me, I'm going to go, whoa, whoa, stay away. You can't see anything. And, you know, or they come at me with, hey, let me help you. I got this screwdriver. And uh, let let me just take a look. It's like, no, no. You need to come at me um, with gentleness and sensitivity, right? In order to get this speck out of my eye. And so in my life, when things aren't going well and I'm, I'm upset or I'm, I've lost perspective and you just know I'm not, being, I'm not internally healthy, um, you come at me, but you come at me with, with gentleness and uh, in order to help. Now, when, um, when I went to my friend, um, man, I prayed about that. I prayed about my heart and uh, I, I wanted to come with him, not with condemnation, but I want to come with him to him because I wanted to restore him to God. I wanted, I wanted to him, for him to be able to turn away from an activity that was obviously not God's best for him and, toward, and turn back to God. And so I did my best to come in a way that would be, um, that he could have the best chance of receiving it. And he didn't. I mean, Jesus did that and his own rejected him. You know, so it's not a guarantee, but it's saying, hey, you should have some awareness of what's going on. All right, verse four. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a big log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly the speck out of your brother's eye. And so, you know, what, what, what it's saying is if I have a speck in my eye, it should seem huge to me. Because it's up close and personal. I need to see the issues in my own life as bigger than the person I want to help with their issues. I, I, I do not want to be the person that expertly sees all the wrong in everybody else and is blind to my own. But I want to, see, I want to be a person that knows 
man, the only reason I deserve to be with you guys is because of the grace of God. I have ongoing issues in my life that I know are not pleasing to God. And I, um, I have grown in a lot of different ways. And then I just find out, oh, my perspective on this is so messed up. And my perspective is messed up and it's impacted how I've seen people. And it's impacted how I treated people. And I, I, I need to work on this. I need to confess this. And I think God is revealing this to me and I need people to help me. And so I'm coming, seeing, you know, I think my issues are bigger than yours. And so when I come to you to talk about your issues, I'm coming with humility and gentleness because I know I want to be treated with humility and gentleness. And so that's how I'm coming. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, be aware of your own need. Be aware of your own issues and how big of issues they are in my relationship with God so that I would, when I come to you with your issues, um, you're not feeling beat up, condemned, and judged like I'm placing myself in the place of God. All right, verse six, maybe my favorite verse. Do not give dogs what is holy. Well, that's clear. I mean, you know, it's like, what is he saying? He's painting a picture for us and it's really... It's really pretty great. And do not throw pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Okay, so what's he saying? Um, th these, the dogs and the pigs that he's talking about in these verses are domesticated animals. They are yours, okay? So he talks about you know, dogs at your dinner table. You know, what, what do you do? Uh, you, you, know, you, get, you get the scraps left over and you give them to your pet. You know, so if, if I'm an owner of animals, and if you're an animal person, you own animals, you know it's your responsibility to, to, to feed them. And so he's saying, okay, in, um, in life, here's how you're to treat each other. You're to give each other and speak into each other's truth into each other's life in a way that they can digest it. He's saying, you, you don't, if you feed rocks to your pets, it, it, even if you give jewels and you feed them to your pig, they're not going to be satisfied. They're not going to be happy. So much so that eventually they're going to look at you and say, well, I can't eat this, but I think he's edible. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's the joke there that Jesus is saying. He's saying, they're, they're going to turn on you. And so the pig and the dog is not the problem in this little parable of Jesus. The problem is the owner and what you're giving him. And so he's saying, why, are the, why is the pig mad? Why would the dog be mad? Why would they turn on you? Because you're giving them the wrong stuff. You're giving them stuff that they can't eat or digest. And so a pearl... Uh, it, it's been used in other parables by Jesus, pearl of great price. It's always talking about truth from God or even the gospel itself, the good news of Jesus. And he's saying, as you, we need to speak truth into each other's lives. We need to help each other grow that way. And as we do it, we're, we're going to do it in a way 
that we're sensitive to the other person and what they can handle. Did I ever tell you if I was a new Christian, I wouldn't want them to tell me everything I've done wrong in life? Was this this service or was this last one? I'm getting confused now. But, I, but I'm so grateful that when I first became a follower of Jesus, they didn't, somebody didn't take me aside and say, okay, let me tell you everything that I see you're believing that's wrong. And let me tell you everything that's, that I see you doing in your life that is not honoring to God. And let me, tell you, let me just dump it all out on you. I'm so grateful that that didn't happen. I would have been so discouraged, overwhelmed, defeated. But, but people helped me grow by knowing where I was at and what the next step looked like in a truth that I can handle, something that I could digest. So are we to share truth? Are we to share the hope of Jesus with others? Absolutely. This is not an excuse to say, oh, okay, yeah, I'm sure nobody around me could digest it. No, it's not saying that. It's saying share. And as you share and join people on their spiritual journey, you're going to learn what they're open to and what they're not open to. Give them the truth that they're open to. And trust God in their life. Maybe one of the hardest places to do that are adult children. I raised you to be this, you're walking away from it. Isn't it amazing how kids have, you know, they have their own mind. And they make decisions. And as adults, they make decisions. And sometimes those decisions are not following God. And they don't want to. Sometimes it's like, I don't even believe in them. That's good for you, mom and dad. I know what you believe. Um, I don't want to hear it. And you say, well, I don't care if you want to hear it. This is what's good for you. And I'm going to tell you. And at that point, Jesus is saying, you're like a person giving your pets unedible things that they can never digest. Don't do it, because they're just gonna get mad at you. And I have you in a relationship with them. Keep the relationship. Because one day, their perspective may change. And they'll, they'll know where to go to get some truth. You know, I've had people many times tell me, you know, I, I grew up in, in this particular church, and they just never told me anything about Jesus. They never preached the gospel. And sometimes I know the church that they grew up in. And I know they taught the gospel. Now, what's happening there is they heard it, they were in the room, but it just never resonated, never made sense. And then all of a sudden, one time their ears were open and, and, in a new way, and they embraced it. And they said, finally. And it's like, no, nah, you, know, you just weren't ready for it yet. It wasn't digestible to you. There are people who are coming here in this room who one day will know Jesus that don't today, and they'll say, why didn't anybody tell me? And I, I understand that. But sometimes our ears aren't just aren't open. And what Jesus is telling you here is speak the truth. Take the initiative to speak into people's lives. And as you talk, be sensitive to where they're at and what they're ready to handle. And if they're not ready to handle it, back off.
So be sensitive to the lives of others. That's why we speak truth into each other's lives. That's why we're self-examined because we embrace the grace of God. And really, the grace of God is just the underlying thing. You know, we're trusting God's work in people's lives. You know, and I, I, have, I have a pretty good idea about where I'm at with God. But I don't have as good idea about where you're at with God. But I'm going to trust God's at work. And I'm going to be looking for how's God working? And what can I share? And what would be appropriate? And that's when we need to function with each other. Um, have you been doing this? God's saying how we function as a faith family together is we help each other and we encourage each other and we address issues in each other's lives with gentleness and humility and grace because we want each other to grow up to be more like Jesus. So we're doing it. We're not running from it, but we're doing it with a character that's reflected the heart of God. Some of us have a bent to, I just want people to be happy. I don't want to, I don't want to have to deal with hard issues in people's lives. So I'll just avoid those and assume they can't handle it. And, and Jesus is telling us, no, that's wrong. You know, our disposition needs to be helpful. We need each other. And that means we share truth with each other. And so, and you'll be sensitive to it because that's your bent anyway, okay? But you need to be able to be willing to speak truth. That's where some of you are at. Some of you are thinking of people that you need to go deeper in conversations um, somebody who um, you don't even know where they're at in their spiritual journey, and you need to have a spiritual conversation with them, find out where they're at. Others of you are like, I love the tough conversations. You know, I don't feel like, if I'm with somebody for more than five minutes and we haven't really gone deep, then I just want to leave. And so you love going deeper. You love, the, you love wrestling. You love that. Um, you may have a tendency to be on the insensitive side. Because you're thinking, I shared the truth, they didn't like it, we kinda got in an argument together, it was so good. You know, I was like, yeah, that was deep, that was good, and I don't, it's probably gonna take them maybe a long time for them to cool down to talk to me again, but it was sweet. It's like, no, it wasn't sweet. It wasn't sweet. The problem with the person who was feeding the other person is that you're giving them unedible stuff, and that's why they're mad. So where are you at in that? And are you thinking of people? Are you thinking of people in relationships? And what is God telling to you, telling you within that? Maybe it's, um, I need to apologize to somebody for being insensitive and, and trying to you know, shove truth down somebody's throat when they were for all intensive purposes, telling me I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't want this. Or maybe you've been wimpy and there's been opportunities to give good news, truth to them and you've um, just been so afraid that it wouldn't be received well. So we need to have those things together and, and grow in that. And being connected to the grace of God will really help you with that. That uh, God is so good. He is so loving. He's been so good to you. You be that way to other people. And maybe you're here today and thinking, you know, I, I need to start that journey with God. 
I mean, I, I've been on a journey with God. I, he's got my attention, but I need to surrender. I need to join, um, be fellow citizens, be part of this family, and that's my first step, and I need to take that. And so let's, let's bow our heads. And first of all, I, I just want, you know, um, how God's been challenging you, I want to take a moment for you to talk to God about that. And if you're one of, one of those who is like, I need to make this, I need to surrender myself to God and uh, ask for forgiveness and be part of his family. If, if that's where you're at, then you can just talk to God right now and, and that's prayer. And in the quietness of your own heart and mind, you can uh, say something like this to God. God, I know that you love me and you've been pursuing me. You've been opening my eyes to you and making my heart softer towards you. And today is the day that I want to turn towards you and say, uh, I want to surrender to you as God. And I ask you to forgive me for um, ignoring you. And I want you to forgive me, Father, and adopt me as your child. Make me a part of your family. And I recognize this because of what you have done for me. And not, the, not that I'm earning my, my way to you or I'm cleaning myself up for you, but you, you'll take me as I am. And thank you for forgiving me. Now, Father, would you begin growing me up into the person that you created me to be? And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, if you just prayed along with me uh, today, you can do me a big favor. I'd really appreciate it if you'd just take one minute as we dismiss here, as we're done, you leave and you go outside there into the center atrium area and there's some tables there with some people and just go up to them and let them know, hey, I made that decision today with Bill. I prayed that prayer. And uh, that's all you need to be able to say. And, and they have information for you. And it's not, hey, um, we now have you in a, you know, a, 25 level marketing scheme that we would like your life. No, uh, we are, we just want to give you some information that's, that reaffirms the decision you just made. So there'll be verses that you can look up and say, yeah, that's what I did. Yeah, that's why I did it. And then now what? And we're not going to overwhelm you with, with a bunch of stuff, but just a couple ideas that are very practical and simple that um, you'll find helpful and kind of nurturing this relationship with God. All right, so we'll get that in your hand if you just go out there and let people know. If you're online and watching us, uh, you can go to rollinghills.org slash next steps and fill out the information there, the contact information, so that we can get that information um, to you as well. All right, we're gonna continue to worship God together. We're gonna sing truths about him and about ourselves as we uh, continue to worship.